you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA <laughs> Private Wealth. This is going to be too much fun. Welcome to Bare Naked Money episode. I have lost track. I'm not sure what episode we're going to number this, but we've decided to change up the format a little bit, and we've invited uh, to join us today Mary Helen, who is a uh, vice president of Pro president and advisor of client experience at IA Private Wealth, and one of the smart people at head office that we enjoy working with. And we brought her here for her very strong opinion and the fact that her and I disagree all the time and it's normally a lot of fun. Uh, so today, my position is that financial planning for women isn't a thing because I think financial planning is financial planning and calling it financial planning for women is stupid. So we're going to have a conversation about whether I'm right or wrong or the nuances of financial planning for women. And Josh took a far more measured approach to this conversation than perhaps I did. So Josh, why don't you try to reel me back in? <laughs> well, Colin, you said you were gonna come off the top ropes and you certainly did. So uh, we're, we're really happy to be joined by, by Mary Helen Mora today. Uh, she's got a long history in the business and finance and investment industries, worked for multiple large Canadian financial institutions, several senior roles, and she's regularly throughout her career in interacting with financial professionals and clients, so very well suited for this topic today. So Mary Helen, I'm, I'm gonna start with a question to you, and we are talking about financial planning for women, personal finance for women, budgeting for women, all these, these different topics seem to be hot button topics these days. What force do you think is out there actually driving this, this for women focus in the finance world? Yeah, so first of all, I'm excited to be here. So thanks for having me. Um, so to answer that question, first of all, uh, gosh, that reaction from Colin's intro already got me going. So I, I would uh, I would say a few things, certainly. Uh, women, as we know, are taking on a much greater interest, not only in, in, in uh, investments, managing wealth, but also are, you know, the facts are living longer. And so as you know, the demographic shift uh, continues to move along and forward. Uh, there's just many more women who are actually in that position. And so I'd say those are probably the, the major re reasons why there's a big focus on. So how do we appeal to women? How, how is it different? Is it different? Um, and, you know, perhaps even is it more than just about women, but just, uh, you know, uh, being sort of gender, gender neutral uh, would be sort of even a better uh, inclusive, diverse, uh, perhaps topic. Maybe that's for another one. But uh, I, that, that would be my comment around there. Yeah, but, but see, there you go. Mortality is, is mortality. If I'm talking to an 80 year old who runs marathons every year and has got two parents who are 110 as a financial planner, you take that into account. You know, the fact that the, you know, over millions of people, women tend to live a year or two longer than men is not nearly as relevant as the individual you're dealing with. And the financial plan should take into account that individual, not mortality tables over hundreds of millions of people. You know, so yes, it's a fact that women tend to live a little bit longer, but that doesn't mean they get a different financial plan. Yeah, so, you know, my comment to that, I guess, uh, Colin, you're absolutely right there in terms of the output of the plan, regardless of who you are, um, you know, is indifferent, frankly. Uh, 
but the approach to how you get to that plan and how you get to the heart of, you know, what are the goals, dreams of, you know, that individual, that whole discovery conversation is quite different. I'd say uh, I've done many, many uh, client focus groups, uh, males, females, all, all gender. And I would say over the years, that would be the main key difference is how do you appeal to the person across from you to actually come out with the output, which might be the same process, but how you get there or arrive at it is really quite different. So, so that's an interesting, interesting question there. And Mary Helen, in, in your opinion, or based off of the focus groups that you've done, what is actually unique about delivering financial services to women? Yeah, so some of the key, uh, I think, uh, points to be aware of is, you know, the whole notion around IQ and EQ. Do you lead with the mind or the heart? So I, I would just say typically in the focus groups, it's much more heart driven and led uh, when we have those sessions with women, for sure. So I think that's part of it is, you know, appealing to the emotion side of things, uh, not to say that the uh, information or the facts isn't important because it's as relevant uh, to whoever you're talking about, Colin, back to your point, right? Um, but I think that how do you appeal to that emotional side of the conversation is uh, is a really big differentiator. Yeah, no, I mean, it's absolutely key that a financial advisor connects with their client and you can do so a number of different ways. I get really nervous when we start making generalizations based on gender because I get in trouble for those things and, you know, the yardsticks keeps moving on them. Uh, it's because I've got very, well, again, from my, from where I sit, I have some very emotional male clients that need to be handled. Um, but again, to me, that's a case by case things. And, you know, I always get a little bit nervous in differentiating or saying that women are more emotional. I've got some business owners, you know, female business owner clients who are just as practical and, and, and analytical as any male client I have. Uh, you know, I think that the, the key part is the financial advisor has to relate well to the client for sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, part of what set me off on this was I, I Googled financial planning for women because, well, it was in an article I was, I was watching and I went to the website and, you know, to see, okay, what's different about financial planning for women? You know, step one, have goals. That, that's not specific to women. You know, step two, invest your money. Again, not particular to women. I mean, it, 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 it seems to me to be out there as, as something that grabs a click or grabs attention and leads right back to exactly the same steps we would use in virtually any client conversation. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, and again, I think that's, that's all valid, but how do you get to the heart of, you know, those points and um, conversations, again, the approach is, is going to be quite different. So I'll take, I'll take risk as an example. There's a myth, call it a myth, that, you know, women might be more risk averse than males. And so uh, when we actually went through, you know, all the kind of risk assessment with uh, focus groups, it actually became much more apparent that risk awareness was much more important to women than kind of risk tolerance, not to say that, you know, they had more or less tolerance, but in fact, advisors, to your point, when you actually connect well with the person across from you, and in this case, when it is a female, 
um, creating that awareness using sort of language that they understand and not using jargon, not to say that that doesn't apply to anyone, male or female, but it very much hits home and resonates uh, certainly with with female uh, participants that we've we've seen in, in research groups. And in fact, when we did side by side focus groups, the more risk aware that females became as a percentage to their counterpart males, they actually had a had a slightly larger tolerance for uh, for risk and just the appetite for taking on a little bit more risk, which was really quite interesting because the myth is you know quite obviously different in, in terms of what, what's out there. Yeah, I think Colin's point is, is interesting because he's saying that we really try to work with the individual, the individual in front of us when we're trying to do anything finance related. And some of the, these metrics and focus groups and all that are, are, are wonderful to get the average for that specific group, but averages don't work too well when we're sitting across from an individual. We have an individual sitting across from us, and it's a woman, for example, and we say, well, on average, women are more or less risk tolerant or need me to interact with you in an emotional way, so I'm, that's what, what I'm going to do. That may be completely opposite of what that person actually wants from us. So uh, while the, the, these generalizations are, are fine maybe for these study groups, and for the marketing people that are putting these campaigns together, when we're actually sitting face to face with somebody, they don't really hold much weight. And Mary Helen, you made a very good point and a very good distinction between risk tolerance and risk awareness, which which is actually something I'm that, that's caught my interest. That's that is a different way of framing the same conversation. But I, I'm, I'm uh, as a follow up. Is there any studies out there? Do you know any anecdotal information as to the effect of increasing uh, a male's awareness of risk and their propensity to take more or less risk? Actually, it was two-sided, which made it quite interesting. I would just say that the females were much more open to uh, having a longer conversation around it and really understanding the mechanics behind it and how to arrive at what my personal uh, risk tolerance. The males tended to just be quite happy to Yep, it's this, it's that. And, uh, you know, here's how we codify it, so to speak, for the purposes of planning. And so it didn't get quite as deep. The, the conversation certainly was much shorter, I would say, and didn't quite go into a deep awareness uh, level. Yeah, and again, that's that's something I would take away for, as Josh says, with any conversation with a client, we're looking for that engagement as just to, to where they want to go deeper. When the client gets a point, you you need to stop talking and move on to the next thing. Otherwise, you're going to lose them. I guess part, part of my reaction to this was I, I got angry on behalf of women, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, when I, when I saw these these promotions out there. Because you, know, you go to the web pages and you read about them and the wage difference between men and women was brought up, which is perfectly valid, a legit issue that needs to be addressed and, and all the rest of it. And having careers that are interrupted with child rearing and stuff like that, which is, again, perfectly legit. And that's a social issue and that, that should be addressed. But again, after saying all of these things, to Josh's point, those are all just facts that you record for for the individual uh, that you're dealing with in that moment. I have the impression, or I'm of the opinion, that a lot of these pieces are put out and, I don't know, disingenuous is the word, but they're looking to to, to try to attract attention in, in not, not a genuine kind of way. Uh, they seem to be effective, uh, but... 
do, do you think that the efforts that you see in the industry, Mary Helen, are genuine or are they more contrived? Yeah, I think I, I think I'll answer that question in, in a slightly different way than the way you presented it. So I think traditionally the industry has been less, um, you know, sort of goals focused and much more about sort of the, the portfolio, the plan, the money, the math aspects of it. And so, you know, certainly we've, you know, as an industry made some really good strides toward what you're describing, which is absolutely true, which would make this whole topic irrelevant to your very first opening. But frankly, not everybody is there from advisors across the industry. And so while some are doing what you're describing and certainly what you're doing um, within uh, your, your firm, I would say, you know, many aren't. And so having those deep discovery conversations that are very personalized and really about me, my goals, what's important to me, uh, working toward getting a plan that allows me to achieve those goals through my finances, my personal life, my journey, the stage that I'm at, what I'm going through, you know, um, you know, again, whether I'm a, I'm a widow, I'm a male, female. Yes, you'll see many more females in that situation. Am I a business owner? Yes, I'm a female business owner. Again, that, that's the same, whether you're talking to a male or a female, uh, you know, any gender in front of, in front of you. And so I, I would just say it's more about the fact of the industry and how perhaps we've been less in tune with that than perhaps the math or the, the actual planning aspects of it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because if you listen to any of our podcasts in the past, MH, you'll know that Colin and I are pretty disparaging of our industry. So <laughs> we're, we're happy that this theme is continuing here with a guest, uh, a guest involved. So I just kind of pulling on a couple of the themes that, that you were talking about there. I think we all agree that it's very important that women are actively involved with, with their personal finances. Why do you think it is so important, MH, that, that women are, are more and more involved with the sort of the personal financial planning side of things? We are seeing that, that very actively, but, but why is it so important? And I, I would just say women are certainly wanting to be much more involved and engaged in, in you know, those aspects than perhaps they have been in, in the past, for sure. And it's maybe longer than a couple years, Colin, that they're outliving um, their, uh, their partners or spouses. But yeah, I mean, they're left toward their end of life trying to cobble it together and manage it and understand it sometimes into a 10 year span. Um, but so I would say that's part of it. I think the other piece of it too, just going back to the industry comment, is it's a very, very male-dominated industry. We know that you know less than a quarter, for sure, of the advisors out there, uh, planners out there, are certainly male, uh, uh, female, or less than twenty-five percent. And so, the more we reflect our communities, independent of gender, in being fully diverse and inclusive you're going to be able to appeal to the person across from you in a much better way because they can relate to you. They see not only their planner and what your expertise is, but they see a little bit of themselves in you because you understand perhaps where they're coming from or even things as simple as my nationality or my background. And I'm sure you could tell me this too, right? There are a lot of clients out there who just feel a little bit more comfortable when there's that connection. There's something that, you know, I can really relate to with that person. And so it's, it's a bigger conversation. Absolutely. 
Well, Mary Ellen, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, I've, you know, in my career, done everything I can to get some very capable women I know to be advisors because I know that that's important because people just make a better connection. And that's, and again, I, I can't explain to you why it hasn't happened. But you actually, again, opened up another wound for me. And another reason why I hate the title of, you know, financial planning for women and why it gets in the way for exactly what you said. You've got women business owners. You've got women who are widows. You've got women who are engineers. You know, they have dramatically different needs from a financial planning perspective. You don't need a financial planner for women. You need a financial planner that can handle a small business. That's different. You get a different financial plan. There's a different skill set from a planner's perspective for somebody who's self-employed. There's a different skill set if you're talking about estate issues, there, there, are, there are actual functional areas where a financial planner can have experience that's valuable. But again, financial planning for women kind of disregards all that and says, well, yes, I'm an expert financial planner for women. It, there's no such thing. That's not a real category because women are such a diverse group. And, and, and to me, it, it detracts from the, the actual, I need to deliver a good plan to this human and this human happens to have these attributes, and gender isn't enough of a commonality for me to, to have a skill set that can handle all women. Like that, that, that's, that's just, to me, really insulting and, and, and really wrong. And so when you, when you started talking about that, I, my blood pressure went up again because I'm thinking, that's the point. You, know, you need to have a small business specialist if you've got a business. You need to have an estate, someone's got estate experience if you're talking about estates. If you're philanthropic giving, you need to have somebody who's got an experience in that. I mean, in, 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 tongue-in-cheek, Mary Ellen, you and I have had this conversation because being in practice management, you run into these financial advisors who deal with dentists between the ages of 45 and 55 who are over 5 foot 10 and wear glasses, and they specialize their business on that group, and that's a very successful business model for the advisor. But... Going back to my coaching days, and I pull a lot from my coaching days in dealing in minor sports, the whole specialty thing can get in the way. Elite athletic outcomes are dramatically influenced by having a wide variety of athletic experiences over your life. And I would suggest the same applies to a financial planner. Having somebody that's overly specialized in something leaves a lot to be desired because the financial planning field is so wide and diverse and you need to have a knowledge that's fairly wide and diverse in order to help. Yeah, absolutely. This, so this is actually now getting to a, a point where we're starting to agree, Colin. So this uh -oh. is actually really good. This is, this is actually great to hear because uh, I think we're, we're hitting on some of the same chords and, and the heart of the issue here, right? Which is, and something you said there made me think about as a planner, really moving along the continuum of, technical, functional, and emotional, which is really key, regardless of who, again, the client is that you're dealing with, right? Many or most will be less interested with the technical. Some will, absolutely, and will want a deep, you know, deep dive. But typically, the client will not necessarily be interested in what's underneath the hood of the car. Is it going to get me from here to there, right? I'm going to go on a on a cross country tour, that sort of thing. And so it's the, where is it gonna get me? Is it gonna get me to my destination or my goal? And so um, that's kind of the less of the technical, although again, some will really wanna go deep there to the functional. Okay, so functionally, this is gonna, you know, kind of help me do that. 
But then, you know, when you start to connect it to that emotional, I'm going to get to the other side of the coast and I'm going to enjoy this very different, you know, sort of environment when I get there and it'll be blissful and joyful and I'll be on vacation and I'll be with my friends and family. That's then when you're tying the technical, functional and emotional into that conversation. And that's where you start to pique someone's interest and really gain um, I guess that that trust and that loyalty because you've taken the time to understand what it is that they want to achieve, and um, so that's why I say we're, we're actually now starting to I think talk the same language and and really get to the heart of the of the whole issue here, which is what's important, what's important to me and and you know my life and uh, you know how are you going to help me achieve it. Joshua, I think she's saying something, but I, I won. So I, I think that's what she's saying. <laughs> well, a, a lot of what you're talking about, MAJ, and, and Colin, you too, you're, you're both winners in my mind, is, is being able to engage with, with your client. And, and if you're the client, being able to engage with your advisor uh, in a way that works for you. And that's part of the reason why we've tried to build a team with, with different backgrounds, different experiences, different uh, outlooks on things is because different people engage with different professionals in a different way. So by having those different backgrounds, sort of the different skill sets, so to speak, the different approaches, clients are, are hopefully able to find the one on our team that they engage best with. And I know Colin and Dan often joke because some of the clients, you know, they're coming to town and they say, oh, I don't really want to meet Colin. Let me know when, when Dan's in town because I'd rather have a chat with him just because they, they, they sort of mesh better with that person. Absolutely. And, and, and Mary Ellen, back to your example about getting in a car and driving somewhere. I mean, my, my point is if you're getting in a Tesla and driving somewhere versus getting in an internal combustion engine car, you need two different types of mechanics. It doesn't matter <laughs> where you're going or whether you're male or female, you need a different mechanic to, to, to support you in what you're doing. And, you know, to me, again, I'm maybe overly analytical because well, my background's accounting, uh, that's the part that counts. It, it can't work without the relationship. It absolutely cannot work without. And yes, there are people on the planet who don't like Josh, if you can believe that. Uh, so, I mean, again, with, within our team, we, we, we do move our relationships back and forth based on who a client is comfortable dealing with. Uh, I just get angry for women everywhere. But I think that it's a huge disservice to kind of lay this out there as some kind of special thing because it, uh, it just isn't. So again, yeah, I hear where you're coming from. And I think the special thing is how you can appeal and approach to, again, the individual, the person happens to be female. What would you say to a woman who was going out to consume financial advice? What would you say would help her figure out whether she's in the right place? Is, is there any words of wisdom in that regard that you could share with our listenership? Yeah, absolutely. Is is interview more than a, a couple for sure or few um, advisors out there because when you strike the connection, you'll feel it, you'll know it. And so typically and and certainly the credentials are from a client's perspective, it's check, check, check. You're, you're looking for the credential. And so um, do they have it or don't they have it? Um, you know, finding the right fit is a lot harder and so you know if you're if you're not feeling it move on um, because you will find someone with the credentials and that has 
the right approach and can speak to you in the way that makes it feel less daunting. And so that's another point I would make is focus groups with any and all clients and and, uh, prospects, you know, certainly that I've interviewed, I would say it's very daunting for them to come in and speak to an advisor. Language and terms that they don't understand. And it's, it's hard for them sometimes to even ask, yeah, can you explain that to me? Um, and so they will say that, oh my gosh, I'm terrified when I go in to speak to my advisor because I don't understand half the stuff they speak about, right? And so again, where you can really make it simplistic and easy to understand because you've got this expertise that obviously uh, has taken you years to acquire, certainly to put uh, into practice. But I would say from, you know, the average person out there, uh, that's daunting. I hate things that distract away from real things. And that's what I feel that this whole topic is. This distracts away and the real important stuff that you just very eloquently laid out are crucial for any human being who's looking for financial advice. They need to find the advisor that they can connect with. Our whole job isn't to be smart. Our job is to, to connect with somebody and make them feel more comfortable about their situation. And yeah, yeah, we've got some horsepower under the hood to do that, but it doesn't matter. You know, the, the smartest people in, in the world don't have jobs because they've got no people skills. And you, you need to have those skills to connect with another human being to give, in our opinion, good financial advice. Well, for any of the listeners out there, you know, just hearing what they're are talking about and the way you're going about describing it uh, is humbling and I think would appeal to many, if not most, uh, people out there regardless. So, uh, yeah, again, kudos to you. Let's let's get the industry on the same page because I, I think there's still a ways to go across the board for sure. No, no, that, that would make it harder for us to stand out. We're, <laughs> we're perfectly content with the industry exactly where it is. Thank you. We don't need to fix that problem. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, th- thanks so much for, for joining us today, Mary Helen. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you and really appreciate all the insight that you brought to the table because when we're talking about financial planning for women, who really wants to hear two men talk about it, right? Thank you both. It was a pleasure and a uh, great discussion. I uh, appreciate being here. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth Inc. IA Private Wealth Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth Inc. operates. Based on observation, it seems that the time an investor is most likely to move his or her portfolio to a new advisor is when the old advisor dies. Let us go on record as saying that having a pulse is not a great reason to trust someone with your entire financial future. Stop putting your life in the hands of stillbreathingwealthplanners.com and call us.